You're listening to Castrol CarCast on Podcast One. Welcome to CarCast, Matt Crow, that's Matt, the moderator, DeAndre over there. Lots to get to on today's show. Yeah. First, I want to say uh, this show is brought to you by uh, Castrol. Uh, this is uh, CarCast from Castrol, so we thank you very much for our sponsorship, Castrol. And let's not forget about uh, Geico. You can visit geico.com and check out uh, Castrol. Titanium Strong for maximum engine performance. Rad Power Bikes, radpowerbikes.com slash podcast. And uh, Zybar. Let's never forget about uh, Zybar for engine, for better engine performance, horsepower, fuel economy, lower under hood temperatures. Zybar, ultra thin coating that reduces radiant heat by 90%. Put Zybar on, take heat off. Visit Zycoat. Z-Y-C-O-A-T dot com and do it now. It's a great product. All right. So uh, let's see. We got yeah. Dave Kendig. Uh, Kendig. Yeah, he's going to be calling in because we saw his the Gullwing Mercedes that he built at SEMA and it looks so cool to me that I figured let's let's chat with him a little bit about it. I know he's done a bunch of cool stuff and he's got his TV show and he's a great designer, but uh, uh, that was the car that said, let's get him on the phone, <laughs> to me at least. <laughs> I uh, I watch a show, um, a pox on you, because uh, when we were walking and talking the other day, or I was walking, you were walking, we weren't walking on the same street, but we were talking. I said, I watched a show, but I've not seen that Mercedes on Dave Kindig's show. And... Um, you said, I think I don't think it's an episode. I think it's like online or something. And I said, oh, okay, because I, I pretty much keep up on his his episodes. I don't remember yeah. seeing that. I just thought it was like a SEMA debut. That, like epi- that episode. And uh, then I went to uh, Kimmel's birthday party, and then uh, I got a little stoned. <laughs> and then I came home at like midnight and I was flipping through my shows, and there's uh, Can Dig It uh, designs over there. And uh, Dave and Bitchin' Rides, name of the show, and I went, huh. Well, he's I'm talking to him tomorrow. Let me see what he's got cooking. Yeah. And the Mercedes oh, was on the episode. Perfect. So I we don't need to get him to call in. It was perfect, <laughs> except for it was a cliffhanger. They didn't, they didn't finish it. They just, oh. they just got it. So is we were at the point. In the show, where it's a Mercedes fiberglass bodied sort of kit car, they always screw up the dimensions on these things. I don't know why you would want to do that. Like, my feeling is, is I don't know what year it is, but hey, man, we're making a kit car. Just someone go measure up a Mercedes Gullwing. They're at every fucking auction all the time. Someone go find someone throw a tape measure on it, and then before we start making our kit car, let's just make it to the exact dimensions of the actual car. But obviously, in the episode uh, of Dave's show, they went and found, I think they're out of Utah, they went and found Mm -hmm. a Gullwing, and they threw a tape on everything, and of course, everything is off. Yeah. 
And and also when you see it, you can see it looks weird. Yeah. I but, don't know what the point of that is. Is that is that like a trademark thing? They're like, well, it's not a Gullwing. Doesn't look anything like a Gullwing. It's a different size. It's the size of a Miata. <laughs> well, it looks much like a Gullwing, except for many of the dimensions are off. And I don't, I don't get it. Maybe there's some copyright thing. I, maybe yeah. they have to be off. You know, maybe it's a thing like in music, you can't use a Beach Boys song, but you can use a sound alike song or feel alike song, yeah, and yeah. those are the songs you hear in those bad tv shows where it's like kind of reminds you of a beach boy song but it's not <laughs> the beach boy song and you go why didn't they use the beach boy song here because yeah. that was a hundred grand yeah and they don't have yeah, that they don't have that they have a catalog of a whole bunch of songs that sound kind of like a beach boy song i don't know if that's we should find that out and yeah maybe dave knows he may know i don't know who <laughs> makes these kits but the kit is no bueno if you have to take the kit and fix it right Maybe Dave would said, "Hey, we got your kit, and it's not the right size. What's going on?" And someone's like, "Well, you know, we had to do that because of whatever Maybe. legal reason." I don't know. I mean, they've done a lot of, or you they're know, like, "What?" Well, they've done. <laughs> let's figure this out. They've done cobras all day long. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of co- different companies that do cobras. Yeah. I, some of them are like I feel like official, officially licensed, but I don't know if other ones are. Yeah, and they can't call licensed. them Cobras, right? But and they can't call them Shelby's. Can they get the exact size and dimension of a AC Bristol? And then the other thing is, is um, they'll do. I remember when I talked to Pete Brock years ago at the Italiano Concourse, Pebble Beach. We were walking and talking on the golf course. And, uh, you know, when we walk and we talk, I put my hand in his back pocket. Yeah. And he puts his hand in my back pocket like we're in high school. I mean, and we're course. going steady. Yeah. And we got to his uh, Shelby Daytona. And he was explaining to me that uh, this one is not the shape of the one that he built in the 60s. Right. He said they were in a rush and there were other things he wanted to do. So he went. For this replica or tribute car, he actually did the shit he wanted to do. Yeah, I think that's the superformance car. But they went to him and said, we want to do this. And he said, well, if we're going to do it, you're right. He's like, let's finish it. Let's yes. do it the way it was supposed to be finished. Yes. Uh, also, I don't want to say I told you so. I didn't tell anyone so. But I, I <laughs> way back in the day, I would always look at all the Cobra kit cars and i'd go eh, that's fine but someone needs to do a daytona yeah that's a bitching car i i thought it was just a i'm a coupe kind of guy and yeah. i and a long hood kind of guy and i just went if you're gonna build a replica build that car don't build a yeah. cobra and uh lo and behold uh there they are there and they are probably more popular these days than maybe even cobras and if you think about that car in a kit form build it right put a crate motor in it fuel injection put some air conditioning in there yeah hell maybe even some power windows or whatever some sound deadening shit drive that thing to vegas yeah it could be a cool car yeah i would make that thing like a, a real driver yeah you know like might as well make a, a cool fun car out of it something to drive around. we're looking at the uh uh bitch and rides uh 55 mercedes Goldwing. yeah all, all i'm seeing is it's a fiberglass replica that was made Sometime in the 90s, about 20 to 24 of them were made. Mm-hmm. And he was given uh, 
he was giving it to uh, a guy named Rich Buckley gave it to um, Kindig about two years ago. Well, we'll talk to him. I'm a big fan of his show. Uh, all right. Let me. And you got the new Jag. Yeah. Now, tell me about the new Jag. Yeah. Okay. So, um, the Jag I-Pace is the all-electric SUV. I say SUV. It fits in that subcompact SUV category. But it's about the size of your midsize sedan. It's about the size of your XF Jag. But just figure it's a little higher and it's got a hatchback to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I like it a lot. It's fun. It's quick. It's quiet. It's got all the things you want in an electric car. And uh, it's got some pep to it. It zooms around. Yeah, yeah. I like it. And, you know, they sent the ones white. It's got the red seats and, and, yes, and whatnot. Like my wife's Tesla should be. Yeah. Except for Tesla doesn't offer a red fucking <laughs> interior. What the fuck is wrong with those? Like, hey, we offer four interior colors, none of which are red, which is the fucking best. Yeah. It's so crazy. My wife got the fucking X that's white with the white interior. But every time you pass a car that's white with a red interior, you go, oh, shit, that's stunning. Yeah. What goes on at Tesla that nobody figured that out? I, I don't know. Maybe uh, aren't they offering it's fucking it like weird? That? Every, offer everything it is weird. The whole fucking world is weird, right? Because this not, car looks good. There's no. Here's what happens when I pass his car that's white with a red interior, or any car that's white and red interior, or the fucking thing that the guy did, the X uh, Tesla X white that someone put a red interior. Yeah. Here's what doesn't happen. Here's what doesn't happen. What doesn't happen is I pass your car and I go, oh, it's white with a red interior. I love that. And then everyone around me goes, oh, it's okay, but it'd be so much better if the interior was white. That doesn't happen. You know what does happen? Universally, everybody goes, yes, it looks looks so good. And when I say to my wife, uh... You know, your white interior is okay, but it'd be bitching if it was red. She goes, absolutely. And we don't agree on <laughs> almost anything, uh, but we do agree on that. Yeah. We do agree on that. So Tesla, in their infinite wisdom, came out with a fucking car. They Have they never had red interiors for seven years? It's wild. Yeah, I don't know. Well, this thing's nice, and I like it. <laughs> And the what, red but Chris, is what is going so on? What really? What's going on in the world? What, there's a not anyone raises their hand at Tesla and goes, uh, "Hey, boss man, you got black? Yeah, you got brown? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You got white? You, you got white, right? <laughs> Which nobody you, wants. You know what the best is? What red? Yeah, let me show you a few pictures. Look how killer that shit looks. Oh, yeah, uh, look at look at that picture. Like how sharp that looks. Look at those seats. They're fantastic. Okay. Now I'm angry. <laughs> what are you doing, Matt? <laughs> but what? 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 What gives? It's what, not what too th- much red. It's like enough red. The seats, the door panels, like they got it. Down. We're looking at your car. It's it looks fucking amazing because it has a red interior on a white exterior. It's good. It's good. Um, and it's low slung. It is. And, yeah. and the range you got it was about two thirty on it. Uh, two forty, two fifty. When they dropped it off, it said about two fifty. Uh, I think Jaguar claims about two forty. I don't know the full specs on it. Maybe you should drive it so you can compare it to the Model X. I don't have time in the in the SUV, the Tesla, to to kind of really say the difference. I'm sure. You want to get down to the nitty gritty. You got to hit up somebody like Edmunds.com and find out how long is it take to charge. But this and is range their first and... real move into full electric. 
Porsche's coming. Every, it's all coming. Everybody's coming. Everybody's coming. But this is this is a competitor, and it's selling well. From what I understand, it's already selling well. Orders are up. They're selling these what's things. The, what's the uh, what is the the base on these things? About seventy thousand, mm-hmm. and uh, you can load them up. And I think the one we're driving is about ninety thousand. Well, speaking of uh, electric power, Rad Power Bikes, Consumer Direct Electronic Bikes, five unique models. No huge markups by the dealers or third-party retailers. Often less than half the price of comparable bikes on the market. I'll tell you, get around on one of these things. They scoot, man. Mm-hmm. Cyber Monday sale, November 26. Deals up to 400 bucks off on all models, one day only, plus free shipping in the lower 48. All models have a 750 watts of power. Most powerful motor on an e-bike. Well, that they can have and still maintain their street legal status because uh, the government won't let them go insane. No license required. Ride anywhere. You ride a bike. And like I said, man, these things scoot. I love this idea. I ride electric scooters and bikes all around my neighborhood, all around Venice and Santa Monica. Well, let's go with radpowerbikes.com slash podcast to learn more. Don't forget their Cyber Monday sale, November 26th. Say big radpowerbikes.com slash podcast. Check it out. So here's my problem with the electric thing real quick is I I love the car. It's great. It looks great. It's fast. They they did a pretty good job for a a first time out with Jaguar. They did a a nice job on this car. And it's got a nice Jaguar interior feel to it. But geez, for the love of God, if you don't own one of these things and have the big charging station at your house, you're screwed. You can't the the public network the public support for this thing the the charging network is bullshit. I went to like three places last night trying to get it to charge. Uh, they were full, or there was somebody's gas car parked in the electric car spot. So they're like, "Fuck you! We need to park the place to park yeah. there." And then I found a place, like at a motorcycle dealer. I go to like plug it in. I was like, "I'm going to leave it for a few hours at least. Let me get some charge in this thing." I know it takes. 10 hours or something, but I was like, I can come back in the middle of the night, get five hours in it, pick up another 50 miles. That's good, right? I go back. There's a gate. Gate's closed. You can't get the car. It's in jail now, right? Really? And the gate is two feet high. It's not like a fence. It's just so you don't park in that lot. Right. Right? And when they close the gate, they turn off the fucking chargers. Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) So, So the thing is plugged in. It's doing nothing, and I can't move it. So I had to go back this morning to get it out of jail. Now, and, what, we don't know what time they turn on the... No, I don't know. The, 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 the dealer said they're open like 9 in the morning to 6, and I guess they just close the gate, and they're like, screw you. Why, wow. why not leave the machine on? I'm stuck there anyway. I don't know. Right? I, and by the way, it's not the like like a public-free machine. Like, I paid for it. I, I typed in my... I went online oh, really? and scanned the code, and, it's, and I was like, God, five bucks seems cheap. It's been there for hours. No, because it shut off like 20 minutes into the charge. Wow. <laughs> How many so, miles did you get charged out of it? Oh, I don't know. None. One. One mile. Because <laughs> like, five minutes, you know, whatever, an hour or two doesn't do much for you. You need 10 hours on this, especially the public right. stations, you need, you need right. hours into it. So, right. You know, now we've got a Jag that instead of 150 or 160 miles left, it's got like 95 left. And, you know, we've got the rest of the week. So I've got to find a way to plug it in. <laughs> and, <laughs> the, it's like, the, and, and in this neighborhood, the only public charging station is in the, the, 
the parking garage of Ikea. So I can go park it at Ikea for eight hours and come back. Well, <laughs> now, what I don't get is I have 220 over at the other shop. Yeah. And oh. they gave us a charger in the back, in the trunk, and it's got a plug. But the plug, this four-prong plug, I don't know what it is, 220, 250 or something, doesn't plug. Oh, by the way, in your shop, on that wall, uh, you know what I'm talking about. On one side, there's 220. On the other side, there's 220. They have different types of plugs, and neither of them work with what the, this car came with. Right. And this so car I've got to find some kind of adapter. Doesn't come with any kind of pigtail adapter. No. And I, I asked Jag, and they're like, we're sorry. It's, it's This is a prototype. We don't have the adapters available yet. And I was like, okay. And they're like, we gave you on the key fob. They're like, here's the free cards. You can go to some of the public stations. And here's an app, and you can find them. There's none near me. There's none here near the shop. And the few that are here, like at the IKEA, is a different brand. So you can still go there, but. You got you pay for it. It's it's a terrible infrastructure. Well, if you you have to have these goddamn chargers like at your house. Yeah, if yeah, you, you rent do. an apartment or something, oh, you're screwed. No. Yeah, but this car is not for renters. No. And anyway, it, look, it's love a, the car, hate the infrastructure. Well, it, it's not that you hate the infrastructure; it's that it's not in place yet. It's right. just there's not enough. It's not ubiquitous enough. There's too many people driving around. In I don't know what do you do in your Prius? How do you charge that thing up, Max Pata? Well, it's hybrid. It's, it's hybrid. all just charges yeah. itself. Yeah. yeah, there's no plug-in. The, that, the, the, the newer, newer ones, that is the newer ones one. plug in, yeah. right? But yours doesn't. Okay. This, yeah. It's it's we're here's the whole thing. We're not quite <laughs> there yet. We're not there yet. And we're out with this stuff, kind of celebrating it. And we're not quite like I'll, I'll give you a I'll give you an example from the uh, from the model hobby standpoint. When I used to fly remote control airplanes in you know nineteen ninety nine two thousand two thousand one, they just came on with like electric power an inducted fan, and you could get these electric power ducted fan jets. Yeah, except for the br- the the battery was a brick. Of basically, five, uh, probably about eight C size batteries daisy chained together. Yeah. So if you picture holding, yeah, a and brick, not lithium, they're like nickel metal hydride. They're heavy. C size, C size cell. Yeah. Eight, nine of them daisy chained in, in a shrink wrap thing and put it in your hand. Yeah. It's fucking heavy. It's heavy. Now picture like a styrofoam plane with a wingspan <laughs> of like 27 inches and a little ducted fan in the middle of it. And imagine trying to get that thing to fly. Yeah. Like it would, you could, you're like, mean, you'd like, you'd have to chuck it as hard as you could. Like it wouldn't take off, you yeah. know? And then you'd chuck as hard as you could. I mean, like, as you have to, you'd have to just nurse it, nurse it, nurse it. Like you could never get it. Yeah. So what I'm saying is, is the thought was there before the technology was there. Like, oh, ducted fan, a jet, like an electric powered yeah, jet. Yeah. Like, oh, that's cool. That's cool. That's cool. No, it's not because we weren't there. Now, 15, 18 years later, those things are all over the place and they work. Yeah. And so the electric car and the infrastructure and all that, it's going to just follow that same yeah. model. 
five years from now, 18 years from now, there's going to be charging stations yeah. everywhere and everything's going to work and it's all going to be fine. We're and, just, we're not there yet. And I'm, I'm talking about plugging it into the wall, that outlet issue, but there's the other side of the plug that plugs into your car and everybody's got their own proprietary one too. Right. Like, well, come on, we can't just do one. Well, they're going to have to start making, they're going to have to start making pigtails that are like adapter pigtails. All right. Tell us about uh, yeah. Geico and we'll call uh, Dave. Dave. Geico, you know, everybody's got a to-do list. You drop off dry cleaning, you pick up some milk, and now you can add save hundreds of dollars on car insurance to that list. You don't have to pick up or drop off anything. You just go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. So if you want some extra money in your pocket, this is the most rewarding you can do today. Go to geico.com. Check them out. At Geico.com. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. We're going to call Dave. Uh, we'll see when he pops online, whatever. Like I said, I'm a big fan of his show. Yeah. He does a lot of really nice work. All right. Line three. Dave? Yes, sir. Good to speak to you. Hello. You too, Adam. Big fan. Well, I'm a big fan of your TV show <laughs> and of, of your work. <laughs> Uh, Bitch and Rides is the name of the show. New episodes Tuesdays, nine o'clock on Vis- Vis- uh, Velocity. Sorry, Viscosity. I'm thinking about uh, <laughs> uh, oil, oil too much. Uh, velocity. <laughs> I guess it's Motor Trend Network now. I'm not sure. I uh, I've I you know I I'm I watch as many car shows as I can, and you know there's certain shows you kind of watch, and they're sort of like pimp my ride. Like, hey, we're going to put in an aquarium in the back of this chick's Nova, yeah. and it's like ah. All right, but I'm a car guy. I'm not a fish guy. Uh, Dave's, yeah, I, I like to be able to hold my face uh, high in public, so no fish bowls in front of the gauges, please. Good. Yes, Dave's stuff <laughs> is really nice stuff, really high-end stuff. And You're a fantastic designer, Dave. Yes. Thank you. And uh, Dave sits there and you know draws it out, a la Chip Foos and, and those who came before him, and uh, then they go out and they make it happen. Um. In the past, they've done some really cool rides. It, it seems like uh, a few, I feel like it, it's, it's Camaro-centric a little. I feel like I've seen a lot of Camaros done, but you did the bus, I think 21 or 23 window bus, mm-hmm. which is pretty insane. You did that Futurama yep. GM big truckster, which yeah. is insane. Yeah, the GM Futureliner. That was a, that was by far one of the biggest projects that the company had ever taken on and kind of I think that's really what kind of stood out. And that's actually what got Bitch and Ride started was uh, the future liner. We put out a media blitz that we were going to be building one of those. And they were like, okay, we know who this kid is from previous stuff that uh, we've seen on, uh, you know, uh, Speedy Channel with Hot Rod Television, My Classic Car, and so forth. So uh, Bob Scanlon and David Lee, they already knew who we were, but they were like, what's he doing with the GM future liner, you know, when he's kind of set up to be, be building these high end show cars? So I think that's really what stood out and certainly was a challenge for us. And more recently, and uh, Matt saw it, I was sort of in and out of SEMA in three hours, but Matt saw the 55 Mercedes Gullwing, and I'm, and we'll, we'll start digging into that car. Uh, I, and, and, and Dave, you, you tell me. Um, he also saw, I think, a 328 or 308 Ferrari that had been done up that was really cool yeah. as well. Another Gullwing as well, but not quite the same. Um, <laughs> There is, there is, I see my feelings like I've always felt as, as a little bit of a European guy and a Japanese guy, I've always felt like a Nova 
it's just not a good enough jumping off point for a really cool car. It's it's too it's it's too as cool as you can make it. It's still a Nova. It's still a Nova. But if it's you start a Nova. you start jumping off with a Mercedes Goldwing or a 308 Mercedes or sometimes or, or uh, sorry, Ferrari or a Z car, something like they have a better jumping off point. Yeah. You get an even cooler piece. Do you do you share that thought, Dave? I, I certainly do. And, you know, when uh, when we got to the SEMA show and I heard there was another Goldwing there, I was uh, a little taken back because I haven't seen, uh, aside from the BASF uh, Chip Foose job that was there a couple of years ago, I mean, it's rare to see a, a Mercedes Goldwing. And, uh, you know, the beautiful part of that uh, uh, that part is that it's just that. It's not another 32 Ford. It's not another 67 Mustang. It's not another 69 Camaro. And, you know, yeah, you can certainly, you know, go to the moon and really build a really kick-ass motor, you know, muscle car. But starting out with something that's so iconic and, uh, you know, so desirable in the first place, but now we've made it something that, boy, you'd love to get in it, take it, and have a track day at Sebring or, uh, you know, do whatever you'd like to do. The car's a very drivable uh, 635 horsepower. It certainly is going to be a lot of fun to drive for the uh, client, Rich. And, uh, you know... I, I'll be honest with you. I've always said I don't have a favorite car. The next car I finish is my favorite. And uh, secretly, since it's just us you know, uh, talking, that is my favorite car. I've actually tried buying it three times now from Rich, and he won't sell it to me. <laughs> <laughs> Only if you knew a guy who could build another one. Yeah. I, 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 looked right. at, I, I was watching the first episode, so I got home late last night, and uh, I went to Jimmy Kimmel's birthday party, and I just got home late. And uh, I knew I was going to be talking to you the following morning, so I just turned on the show. And I wasn't expecting to see that car, but I saw the first half of the episode of you mm-hmm. getting the car mm-hmm. and stretch, you know, throwing throwing a tape measure on on one actual three fifty five. Uh, sorry, three nineteen fifty five. I got too many damn. There's a three fifty five Ferrari and a three hundred yeah, SL yeah. and the two three oh eight and the three twenty eight. I'm so nuts with there's too many cars, too many numbers, and my brain is atrophying. Yeah. Right. So it used to be so easy. So um, um I saw you find an original Gullwing and throw a tape on it and then see just how far off the shell that you got was was there a reason why we were speculating before we got you on the phone as to why the original sort of kit car wouldn't have just been made to spec, or did they have to have it off for sort of legal purposes? Uh, I believe that's it. So the actual history behind those uh, replicas, there was only 20 of them built around 2005 to 2007 by Classic Coachworks out of Florida. And that car was actually commissioned by Alice Cooper, which obviously has had other cars built from them. I think the uh, Scrape uh, roadsters and coupes. And, uh, so, I mean, the proportions of this kit car, if it was sitting by itself, you'd be like, Oh man, that's really a cool car. The minute you really start to study it. And if you have, you know, a die cast model of one, or as, as we did, uh, access to an original, you could certainly tell that there was a lot of the proportions off. And I think that legally, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I'm certainly going to find out because my intentions are actually to scan that car and reproduce them in carbon fiber. Cause I, I will have to have one myself now. Um, but I think it's the, the legal part of it. I think the silhouette or something to that effect has to be off by 20%. Interesting. Um, and, and in doing that research, I actually found a company, I believe they were either out of England or out of uh, Germany, that had basically repopped an exact, pulled molds off from the original, 
And I also seen the follow-up pictures of the, uh, the uh, legal team going in there and uh, basically removing the bodies off of the chassis and also the aftermath after crushing them and the molds. Wow. So as you can imagine, there's quite an expense to, you know, create a mold and uh, certainly in carbon fiber, the, 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 the molds and the, and the process of doing a body, uh, my cost could be over a hundred thousand dollars per body, but I think the juice is worth the squeeze as long as I don't find out at the end that it was illegal to do it. Um, well, you know, so obviously yeah. we'll have to make some changes and that type of stuff, but uh, I think that's why that car was so off. Yeah. It's in, yeah. So we were sort of thinking that too. And also, I don't know. You wonder if there's a statute of limitations, you know, after 50 years, like there are with patents and things like that. But I guess as long as Mercedes is around, that's their intellectual right. property. What is, I'm going to throw mine out because, uh, and then you tell me, and, and Matt can chime in as well. You know, in terms of a jumping off car, uh, and again, it's it's a weird uh, we're in a weird place because um, you think, well, a Ferrari Daytona to me would be a great jumping off spot for a guy like Dave to start breathing on that car. But those yeah. cars are six hundred to seven hundred grand. So that's not exactly right. the shell of a Nova. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. uh and I guess, sadly, we nobody repops them. I'd like to live in a world where we could just repop everything, and you could have your hot rod Daytona with your crate motor in it and whatever, yeah. and let Dave do all <laughs> all the things to it he wanted. But what is your jumping off platform? What what car? If you had a magic wand, what car do you think is crazy sexy that you'd love to get your hands on? Oh. Well, that's a, that's a pretty easy one. I've already done it. Uh, my very first choice is actually a 55 Mercedes Gullwing. But in the very close second, 69 uh, Lamborghini, uh, Lamborghini Mira S. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's just one of the sexiest oh. body styles, yeah. uh, yes. bar none. Uh, we've got a good friend with one. I've spent a lot of time just sitting in it and dreaming. Yeah. And uh, uh, we've transported it back and forth to Pebble Beach a couple of times. And I absolutely just love that car. But I think that that car would be a great platform. Uh, to do a modern drivetrain, um, certainly, you know, I'm a, I think I'm an intelligent enough guy and I have enough love for cars that I truly um, would have a hard time if my client had brought me a real going, for instance, and just chop it up and do what we did. I think it would be cool if there was uh, nobody else watching because it would just be, for, you know, one person's love of driving the car and having that performance, but out of an original. But I also have my limitations. Uh, perfect example, the Future Liner, when we first bought that, our intentions were to customize it. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Those things we're, are worth a ton a big, of money uh, now. Internet company. Yeah. yeah. What's that? Those things are worth a ton of dough, right? Yeah. So as we did more research and we had found number three that was on loan to the guys at the, the uh, in Gilmore, Michigan, doing uh, number 10 uh, for the uh, Automotive and Truck Museum, uh, we basically started looking at it and we're like, yeah, we could do this and up, update the drivetrain. And it was supposed to be for a big uh, software company for Fusion I.O., and the more we did research about it and we realized how rare it was and how important it was and what the value of that was, we were like, yeah, I think we're going to go ahead and restore this. And so that's what we did, and, and I think that was the right thing to do. But now with all of the scanning and stuff that we've done on I've got every bit of information, dimensions, shapes, degrees, everything about that vehicle. I could go back there in my shop right now and uh, start putting hat sections in a frame together in a modern drivetrain and put it on air and maybe add another axle and, you know, just do some really cool stuff with it. But 
that's what I would do. I don't think that uh, in my right mind I wouldn't take a 69 Lamborghini Mira S and uh, you know cut the whole floor out of it and put a roadster shop chassis in it and that kind of stuff. Um, I do have my limits, I guess, of what I think is reasonable to do and what not to do. Well, here's a follow-up question. Um, and I agree. I think we think the Lamborghini Mira, I think for me, be SV is the best-looking thing that ever left a factory. Um, mm-hmm. S is fine, too. We've had a couple of those throughout our lifetime. Uh, so we're right with you in the in the Mira department. But as I was saying to Matt, <clears throat> we're familiar with, uh, I think his name is uh, Mr. Lee, I think is his last name. Yeah, I was going to say David Lee. I think it's David Lee. He's got uh, the, yeah. uh, the Dino. Yeah, he's the jeweler yeah, with, the, with the Dino. Now, he's got a Dino, and he didn't cut it up, but he did put some rims on it, some you know, repop, and put some like 17s on there. He's got running fuel injection. He's, he's breathed it's on got it. a different engine. It's got like an F40 engine or something in it. Oh, does yeah. it? So in, in this world, cool. you do this thing where you're like, okay, you've got a Dino Ferrari. Uh, a nice Dino Ferrari is worth 300 grand, maybe 400 grand, yeah. three to 400 Grand for a nice mm-hmm. Dino. So, all right, what do we do in an engine swap for him? What are we putting different rims on it and bare brakes on it for or whatever? Because <laughs> yeah. how's that going to work after we get divorced and we have to sell it? And people are like, uh, this is not a, you know, I got to put this car back. But this guy has taken this car out and shown it so much that it is now known as this Dino. Yeah. And maybe this right. Dino in a world of, um, I don't know, 4,000 Dinos or something, or 2,000 Dinos, maybe this Dino is worth more than other Dinos. Right. Now it's a little more special in, in a sea of quite a few of them out there, you know, which is right. also interesting because you, you mentioned the Mira and, and you know, who there very well could be a shell of a Mira out there. There could be just be something's been parted out or something, you know, not much is left, or you can piece together a front, a front clamshell in the rear and, you know, pick sure. up a few pieces to start with enough just to start with. And then you're right. And then you're, you're at your roadster shop chassis and you do some interior stuff and do whatever, like, but there might be enough few yep. pieces out there to start with. Um, uh, who knows? Uh, I am curious. Well, in on... that case, honestly, Matt, in that case, that would be a car that I would be like, well, you know what? Most of it's missing anyway. Uh, there's there is no matching numbers to put the car back to an original state, and the cost, of course, of restoring something compared to modifying it. Um, it, it my honest opinion, uh, the you know, let's just take a '60 Corvette for instance. Restoration on a on a decent car uh, at a really good shop, a reputable shop, doing a proper job to make a you know a perfect restoration is about two hundred and fifty to three hundred thousand dollars to do it properly. Now you can put that same three hundred thousand dollars in and put in a roadster shop chassis and LSX uh, four fifty four hard up injection or, or eight sack injection boiler, whatever. You do all that stuff. The car is actually valued uh, differently than the stock one. Stock one, you're lucky to get $85,000 out of a restored Corvette. That's all numbers matching. Uh, unless it was something super rare, like a fuel or uh, a tanker. And at the flip side, we watched uh, Barrett Jackson last year. A good friend of mine sold a 60 or a 58, I believe, uh, black with silver coves, red interior. And that car pulled $400,000. 
Well, it's it's so, very. Uh, I'm glad you uh, brought this up, uh, Dave. First off, why aren't we eating lunch uh, twice a week? Because uh, I know I feel a kinship. <laughs> Matt, you're out. Dave, you're in. No, I. I, hey, I nice knowing you, Matt. Yeah, I, I know. I'm not saying you can't come around and watch us eat. <laughs> I I just I, there's so many times I talk to car guys and you just talk to them and they go I'm a car guy I'm a car I love cars blah, blah, blah. and then you go what do you like Mopar I'm all Mopar it's all Mopar <laughs> all the time it's the only thing I care about and then you go I have a mirror and they go what's that you know and I go oh I have a 935 Porsche and they go I don't, I don't know what you're talking about it's got to be a Mopar and, I, and then I realize I hate that guy it's like it's like yeah. some, it's like somebody. <laughs> Who you talk to, and you go, I love music. You love music. I love music. You love, we love music. He's like, I love DJ Khaled. And then you're like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> so, Dave. I, you like sandwiches. When, you like DJ Khaled. When you brought up Mira, when you brought up Mira, when I, you know, the, the Gold Wing, when I, I've seen your show, I've seen your shop, I, I love, you have good taste, which uh, Boy, not, not a lot of guys have. But the, the interesting thing, the Dino, by the way, Mr. Lee bought it for 260K and it says he put over a million bucks into it. But I, I don't feel like it would take him. Well, it, yeah, if he bought a, uh, uh, F40 engine for 800 grand or something, yeah, but maybe we'll find out what engines it is. And, and by the way, uh, Dave, you should know that I just got done putting, uh, $138,000 into a Datsun 510. So <laughs> that's true. Sweet. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> so is it in a box in the back in the trunk or is it actually you, you bought parts with that but yeah, we, you know, what's funny is a lot of people you know on my tv show especially and even when people walk into my showroom in my office and they start pointing at the cars that we have on display in the showroom and so how much was that to build i never kiss and tell and there's and there's there's two reasons behind that first i don't want them to form an opinion that i've screwed somebody out of a lot of money that they don't that that person doesn't have an understanding of how much work and time goes into making a car that anybody could get under that dash and not be, you know, blown away with, uh, well, they really put the wiring like that or whatever. My cars are perfect inside and out, even where you don't see them. The other side is when you, uh, when you don't tell them, it leaves the imagination open because a lot of times they'll try and guess and they'll be like, that car's got to be at least $90,000. It's like, man, that's how much it cost to wash it last time. Are you kidding me? Right. right? The so. paint was ninety thousand. <laughs> yeah. The uh, right. Well, this is a historic Trans Am and B sedan race car, so it's got a lot of history. So it's probably that's cool. It's probably that's really worth. Cool. It's got a brass tag on it and everything, so it's probably worth something. If in the historic, uh, well, it's worth at least one hundred thirty-eight thousand. Well, not necessarily. <laughs> Hopefully, <laughs> <laughs> not necessarily. But it's it's a really cool piece. We'll go out and um, vintage race it real quick, Dave. What engine did you put in this Gullwing? So the Gullwing's got a LSX four fifty four, and it's got uh, the Australian Harup injection, and so uh, something that was pretty key on that. That uh, you know the uh, uh, the intake manifolds. We three D printed those because looking at the pictures of an original straight six that would have come in that car is you know is one thing. But it had those big aluminum logs going left to right. Mm-hmm. The exhaust was up pretty high, and so we wanted to kind of emulate that same thing. And so uh, another big thing that we did on the har up injection is normally it has a cover over the linkage. Well, the original motor had exposed linkage, and that was very important for us to also kind of showcase and give it that mechanical look. Even though we were going to hide all of the wires for the fuel injection and everything else, um, we wanted a very mechanical look. So 
the, the whole package, you know, working with Rich Buckley on building that car, he was very adamant about trying to keep a lot of things that would have looked that way original had they built it that way. So, I, uh, I uh, you know, it, it looks amazing. Chris, can you find a picture of that engine? It, it, the plenum intake plenum, whatever we're calling it, it looks cast. Is it, did you give it a it's finish? It's trick. It's cast? Yeah, so it's uh, it's 3D printed. Uh, we use a Stratasys 3D printer. And uh, those in particular pieces are 65% nylon, 35% carbon. So it's very strong. It seals up. And then what we did on the outside is we basically just sanded any of the 3D print tracks, you know, because it does leave a little bit of a track when you print it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we sanded that all down. We put a primer on it. And then we did a rocker shoots. And the trick was is we have, you know, you, different reductions will give you a different texture for like the bottom of a car with like a, rock, a German rocker shoot. And so what uh, Bryce, our body shop manager, did is I was like, well, let's go with the finest. I want it to look the most like a sandcasted aluminum. And I was kind of a little bit concerned about it because the finest was still kind of smooth and bubbly. And uh, he came in, he came out and uh, grabbed me, and I walked into the booth, and he, he showed me. He stood back four feet, and it was drained as it hit, so it went on, and it looks exactly like sandcasted aluminum. Uh, we finished it off with uh, uh, with uh, Ferrari silver and then a matte clear. And so it's easy to clean. It's It looks rough. You can actually wipe it, and it's smooth. And uh, it just worked out perfect. It's such a cool key piece to the inside of the engine bay, as I always yeah. call it, the, the jewelry box. What a goddamn world we're living in, because <laughs> I was just looking at this Technology's thing. Technology's beautiful. Right? Well, in the right hands, you know. <laughs> give it to the uh, Germans in the middle of the 40s, and now we got a problem. Um, yeah. I was looking at this picture, and I was like, by God, those plenums look cast. And then I thought... Wait a minute! How could you cast those plenums? Uh, there's, it just seems so involved. And I was like, "But they look cast." And I wasn't at the car, and it wasn't so. You 3D printed those things, and then you gave them the finish. And wow, you want to talk about win-win? That just unbelievable. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank I am you. A- you know, it was something that uh, honestly, I mean, there's so many talented builders out there, and I've got great friends, you know, all across the country. You know, George Panier and Mm-hmm. And uh, the roadster shop, Phil and Jeremy are great friends. You know, I've known Chip for for quite a few years, and he's just a very talented guy. And there's a lot of different takes on how to create a, a custom car. And something that's pretty specific about Condigate Design, in my eye, and, and the way I communicate with my customers, is I can make a spaceship out of a 32 Ford Roadster. Pretty, pretty. Uh, you know, it's guaranteed. I could do whatever crazy stuff you want to do. My idea is always to keep something that's not going to be out of style in three years or do anything that's trendy. I always want to do something that 30 years from now, the car would still be in style. And uh, so a lot of our vehicles, for instance, you don't see a a stereo uh, deck in it, but most all of our cars come with a big kicker stereo. Everything's hidden, and it's all on Bluetooth off of your phone, which that, you know, technology constantly changes. So, um, you know, I just don't want to look at a modern stereo in a classic car, so it's very key to not ever put one in. I was saying to Matt the other day when we were talking about architecture and styling that you just can't have stuff that puts a time stamp on it. And so many people make that mistake, and then you walk into their kitchen, 
10 years later and you go, oh, I know when you did this kitchen. <laughs> I, like, know exactly I know when you did this bathroom. Like within three years, I know. Like, I mean, there range. are great old Spanish places from the 20s and the 30s in Hollywood and you go walking into the kitchen and it's avocado and burnt orange. It's like, this looks like the Brady Bunch house. <laughs> and you did the kitchen in 1974 <laughs> yeah. or that's when the kitchen was done. And you don't, that's what I would say to Matt all the time. You want to avoid that. Yeah. You, you right. always want to avoid that, and, it, and it's just a design thing. I think it holds true with automobiles, and it holds true with architecture. Mm-hmm. And right. something that you mentioned that I want to circle back to, which is nice, and it's something that Matt and I have been discussing uh, throughout the last year or so, which is I am glad. So, you know, back in the day, I'd always say, you know, um, Christopher Titus would give Chip Foos 400 grand. He would make him something with a surfboard uh, rack. He'd get it back. He'd drive it around for two years. Then he'd get divorced. Then he'd put the thing across the auction block at Meekum, and he'd get $41,000 for it. And I thought, that sucks. That sucks. Uh, but and, and that that went around for a little while. But now you look at the auctions, just like you talked about with the 1960 Corvette. Yeah, when something is done right and done by someone with the right reputation, mm-hmm. people are starting to appreciate that, and they're they're voting with their wallets, right? Exactly. Well, and, and thank God for all of them. So the 21 window bus that I sold at Barrett Jackson that was featured, uh, what, two years ago on our uh, addition rides, uh, that, uh, you know, I had an investment in and uh, leading up about the month before the, the auction uh, that it was consigned to, um, my wife was like, no more spending money on this thing. We're just throwing money away. This is, you know, no more consignment vehicles, no more, no more projects or spec cars, whatever. Leading up to it, well, I had a total of, of, of a, a reasonable amount of money because I was paying for the labor, you know, true cost and everything else. So I had an investment in it, obviously. When that broached 200000 went to two hundred and fifty, $275,000 when we were on the auction block on that Saturday afternoon. Uh, it hammered at two seventy five. They show it as breaking the record at three hundred and two five because they put their 10% on it. And as we were walking off the stage, my wife me with her shoulder with her elbow and she says we need to find another one of those <laughs> <laughs> well so it, sometimes you yeah. win you know because we got a lot more than what i had into it but it was you know somebody wanted it that bad well, you, actually two people and it ran yeah, the number up. you did it you did it right i mean that's obviously it's not going to work if you don't do it right i i watched that episode closely and the reason i watch it closely is it was a european vehicle which mm-hmm. is interesting to me even though it's a, a bus but that is also a vehicle that now, um, if you just did it bone stock into the nines, you could probably sell it to um, Fluffy, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Iglesias. Yeah. You sell it to the comedian, you could probably sell it to him for a buck fifty. So yeah. that sure. car has some good value to it. A twenty-one or twenty-three window. I'm sorry. Yeah, twenty one window. Twenty one. Yeah. All right. So those those things are you know a, a hundred grand plus. Yeah. So now you're yep. kind of screwing around a little bit because that that ain't a VW bug that it would fetch you nine grand if it was tits. Right. This is a hundred. It was 
20 Buck years 50. ago, you could get them for $8,000 for a really nicely done one that somebody built out of the garage and probably did a nice job. But it's funny, it's funny how the modified ones are actually going for so much more if it's done tastefully and it's done proper uh, than even a restored one. There was a really nicely set up one with tons of accessories uh, last year. I was a camper. And uh, maybe it's not as desirable as the 21-window deluxe with the big sliding sunroof, but still, it was a very nice piece. And I think it only fetched... I think 110, and I think I had a matching trailer that went with it. Yeah, so, so uh, but again, that's right by it with a hot rod. But that's that's because that was you breathing on it, and not you know some others who may have not made some of the same choices you made. And ultimately, the good news is, if you build it and you build it right, and people can see it, then they'll get their checkbooks out which is, I, I just don't feel like eight years ago, that's what people were doing. Now we're there yeah. and it's good because it's great for the, for the hobby because in terms of talking the wife into spending 400 K on a car that Dave does for you, if the wife says, yeah, but after we get divorced and that thing's worth 60, no go, <laughs> uh, that's a tougher sell. Yeah. 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 Well, no, nah, you know, here's the, here's the deal is uh, if it is 400 and you get a divorce and it's going to go for 60, you just get your buddy to buy it and then just buy it back from him. <laughs> that's what I'm planning. I mean, <laughs> yeah, a good idea. That's, I mean, yeah, why are you telling yeah. me? <laughs> All right, Dave Kindig. I, I love the show, man. Bitch and rides, new well, episodes, you. Tuesdays, nine o'clock on velocity. You're out of Utah, right? Yep. Salt Lake city, Utah, born and raised. God, I love that place. I've, I've done a beautiful. few. Beautiful. I've done a few shows there. You walk through Salt Lake City and you're like, where's all the trash? Where's the graffiti? What's going on around here? So right. Nobody lives here? Yeah. And they're like, no, a lot of people live here. They just don't throw <laughs> yeah, trash they don't, around. They don't want to throw trash out. Yeah, there. it's not a pit. Uh, <laughs> There's not I, a toilet out back. Yeah, <laughs> I may be moving there soon enough. And uh, Well, good enough. I'll save you an office. Please, I'd love to come uh, take a tour of that place. I'm, uh, I really, I really dig Anytime. the work work you're doing. Uh, thanks, Dave. We appreciate it. Hey, I really do appreciate it. You guys uh, enjoy the rest of your week, and uh, let's do it again. Please, Sounds good. I got a lot to talk to him about. All right, All right. take care of some business. Dave Kendig is at kendigit dot com. Check him out. He's on Twitter and Instagram at kendigit designs. And I'm going to tell you guys about Zybar. This is an ultra-thin coating for manifolds, headers, turbos, tailpipes, mufflers, and tips. It has a thickness of 0.001 inch, which reduces radiant heat by 90%. It's the first DIY thermal coating of its kind, and that is impressive. I saw this. They had a, a Camaro done up in their booth at SEMA, and everything was coated. It was nice. They did such a good job. It's non-corrosive and does not break down even in 2,000-degree environments. It makes wraps, shields, and expensive ceramic coatings obsolete. Use Zybar for better engine performance, horsepower, and fuel economy, and lower underhood temperatures as well. Zybar comes in four awesome colors, bronze, midnight black, cast silver, and Porsche gray that will make your engine a showpiece. I think I saw the bronze when I was out there. It looks good. Zybar is available for purchase at Zycoat.com and many auto parts retail locations. Put Zybar on, take heat off. It's at Zycoat.com, Z-Y-C-O-A-T.com. All right. Let's see. What do we have um, left on our list of things to do? Yeah. So I got a um, – my 
different drummer, uh, 510's coming home soon. Yeah, looks it good. Looks good. Saw the pictures. Excited about uh, that car. Um, the um, Boy, I feel like uh, I knew I would like Dave just from watching a show, but uh, I like that guy's uh, take. And, of course, when he said Mira, people do – I think they do it all the time where they go like, oh, of course you like him because he agrees with you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But here's the deal. When when somebody tells me things that they like, I know whether they have good taste or not. And people go, well, that's convenient because it matches with your taste. So fuck you. It does. <laughs> yeah. I do understand. I'm not one of these fuck shit sticks, suck dick cocks who go, oh, well, you think that's funny, but I think this is funny. So, you, no, I'm an expert, bitch. I'm fucking better than you are. So if I tell you something is funny, it is funny. If I tell you that's good architecture, it is good architecture. If I tell you that's cool furniture, it is cool furniture. If I tell you that's a good song, it is a good song. If I tell you your song sucks, it does suck. If I tell you that car is a great shape, it is a great shape. Because I'm more involved. Okay? That's it. I'm so tired of everyone fucking pitching their shit to me with fucking garbage. Gabe had to walk in right in the middle and was talking about fucking music and everything. <laughs> Your fucking garbage shit is just that. It's garbage. And you're dumb for sticking to it. And one day when you get older, you'll be embarrassed. It's like you fucking sitting around with a fucking mullet and explaining to me how cool you look. And it's 1987. And I'm trying to explain to you, you don't look good in this mullet. And you're fucking saying to me, you'll be sorry one day that there's not <laughs> pictures of you in a mullet and stonewashed jeans. And I go, okay. And then we go ahead to 2018 and we find a fucking picture of you and your mullet and your stonewashed jeans and you look like an asshole. <laughs> well, I'm here during the present to tell you that. Yeah. I don't need to go ahead. 25 years i'll tell you right now what's working and what's not working and dave's stuff works yeah in his answer about not wanting to put a time stamp on a product or a project is exactly what i said to you three nights ago when yeah. i was walking my dog about interior design right I had a beautiful Hacienda house like from the 20s and my wife's like, we got to go shabby chic. And I'm like, no, nah. we're not going shabby chic. We're only going shabby chic because that's what's going on in 2005. Right. But then when people come back in 2018, they'll go, oh, I guess mm. you did this in 2004, 2005. <laughs> I don't want that. And you shouldn't want it. And stop sticking with your horrible taste. Focus on me and what I want. Yeah. <laughs> and listen to me. Listen to me. Am I right, Max Pana? Always. Okay. <laughs> Who was focused on buying Japanese cars when everyone thought <laughs> Japanese cars were junk? Like, and not, and by the way, not welcome to any of these events. I know. Who who was buying Forget Japanese Monterey. race cars when they were free and not welcome anywhere? Hmm. The guy's wrong all the time? The guy, the guy who who uh, doesn't like the Beastie Boys could be dead wrong or it could be. I happen to know music and they fucking suck. <laughs> I ever want you to just come to me and ask me what's going on. I write a fucking book called in 50 years. We'll all be chicks because I knew where we were going. I bought a bunch of Japanese cars 
because I knew there were great cars. I knew they won and I knew where it was going. I mean, Mm -hmm. we just came back from uh, Laguna Seca for the Rolex Historics and Nissan was the mark that when I bought my first Nissans, that was an unthinkable scenario. Yeah. Unfucking thinkable. Max Pata. I don't think they had Nissans at Monterey seven years ago. You've learned. Any Japanese car. But why would anyone argue with anything I say anytime? Look, the proof is there because I went to SEMA and the hot ticket items were, were the Japanese cars, the, the fair ladies, all, the yeah. cars, all that. Like, I, I, I've seen them grow because I, to be honest, and it's, it's a, no question, I've, I didn't know anything about cars before working for you, Adam. <laughs> so I've gone to SEMA many years in a row and I've just seen the evolution of more and more Japanese cars. More and more. And I did display. find that picture of that 280ZX that I emailed you. Yeah. Ugh. It was weird. Yuck. <laughs> By the least they're using but there it. Was, that's what I said. Well, I saw them. one there. I know. What the hell was wrong with that car? That was like a like a, one of these modern car audio builds. So it had a, a it was it was in the north hall with all the car audio and alarm guys, and it was a two eighty ZX, but it had the two liter turbocharged Cadillac engine in it, and it had a full like Cadillac interior. That mm. was weird to me. Yeah, the outside it's like was like a Cadillac ATS. The outside was weird, yeah. Too. All right, let me tell you what's not weird. Castrol Edge. You can tweet us. Are we doing a Castrol challenge here? Oh no, no. Sorry, All right, just let me tell you about yeah. Castrol Edge, and uh, go ahead and tweet us your questions at uh, hashtag Castrol Challenge, and I'll answer them uh, on the air. Formulated with fluid titanium technology, reduces friction, maximizes engine performance, three times stronger against viscosity breakdown. Then the leading oils, it is the best. It is Castrol Edge. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Anaheim Grove coming up November 30th. Live pod there uh, with Rob Riggle up on stage. We got a cruise coming up next year. We got some Christmas crates from Corolla Drinks. You can go there and get some discounts and say hi to Lynette. Chassis, new shows always uh, over there on the Chassis channel on Pluto TV, 501. And uh, all sorts of stuff going on. All sorts of cool car things going on on Chassis.com, 2S yep. and 1. Shift and Steer, you can listen at Podcast One. Uh, we got a great interview with David Freiberger and then Jesse James coming up. Oh, really? Yeah, he's fantastic. And you can check out our website, carcastshow.com, and shoot us a tweet. Follow Matt at Motorator. Until next time, it's Adam Kroll for Matt, the Motorator, DeAndrea saying, keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com. CarCast Show.